lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. He is Aaron McIntyre, and you are you. Let us know who you are and what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email us, steve at stevedace.com. You can also check us out on Facebook, where I did not lie to you this morning. Because today is a very important day, which we will get into here a little bit later on. But after this moment, I will resume lying to you on Facebook with hashtag Facebook approved takes. So you have been warned. Uh, you can get to what I really think, though, all the time if you follow me on Twitter at Steve Day Show or over on MeWe Parlor, Gab, and Getter. And you can also watch clips of what I really think that are free of censorship and free to watch at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. I had a first yesterday in my inbox, by the way. A guy went Chris Rock and I'm going to get you sucker on me. Trying to bargain with me for one of the boxes of cookie dough built bars I had ordered when they had a, a special two hour sale. He says he got the note like 45 minutes late. And by the time he tried to get in, they were all gone. So he emailed me trying to bargain with me because I ordered two of them. They're getting delivered today, by the way. Not that I'm excited about that, but I'm very excited about that. Uh, He tried to bargain with me for one of those boxes. Steve Mamu, I've come to bargain. (laughs) Yes. Uh, It finally got to the point that he said, he went like Andre Dawson. You tell me what the price is. Remember we did that to the Cubs back in the day? You know, I, I just need, I need a place to work. All right, so you know what? Give me a, here's a blank check. You fill it out. Then he won the MVP that season. You remember that story? You I ever heard that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, no, dude. There is no one rib here. No, I'm I'm not for cookie dough. Nope, nope, no. I'm holding on. I'm flat out hoarding those things. That's how good they are. All right. What's that look for? Oh, I just uh, he's dead serious, folks. He, when it comes to having the palate of a 12 year old boy, you you can't play with that. I mean, no, this is gospel you can't fade to him. Me. That's gospel. exactly right. You cannot fade me where this is concerned. So how do you make sure you don't miss out on the next flash sale of cookie dough, built bars, or any of their other outstanding flavors? By the way, the everyday flavors they have, like mint brownie, stuff like that, those are all great too. I mean, that's what got me hooked on built bar from the very beginning. But you make an order, and therefore now you're on the list for when these specialty flavors come out again, all right? All covered in real chocolate, the absolute best protein bar you have ever had, I promise you. I promise you, no close second. Easy on the tummy too, all right? Go to built.com, B-U-I-L-T for built.com. Get 15% off your order with my last name, Dace, as your promo code at built.com. Coming up on the show today, you're going to get some double-barreled Theology Thursday action. So next segment, I want to discuss something that Rick Warren was quoted as saying earlier this week. Now, some of you may ask, Steve, I thought we were talking Theology Thursday, so why are we discussing Rick Warren? Oh! But um, um, I'm, I'm here all week. Try the veal. No. In my mind, I, when I was getting no. ready to say that, I thought, this one's going to be good. And then after I said it, I thought, I don't know, wasn't as good as I hoped. No? Uh, no I, I enjoyed it. Didn't land? I thought it was I good. I enjoyed it. Oh, you yeah. thought it was good? Okay. Yeah. All right. Th- thank you for lying to me. Uh, but we will get into uh, discussing 
rather correcting uh, Rick Warren's theology coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, I have something I'm going to spring on Todd and Aaron that they are not yet aware of. But I, I think when I do so, for part two of Theology Thursday, not just them, but all of you, We'll be appreciative that we did this as well. Okay, so that's coming up. And then we'll get into three non-political questions as well. But before we get into all of that, of course, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by A Great Morning. Yesterday, we told you about the Texas law banning abortion after six weeks and how the Supreme Court had done nothing to grant an emergency blockage of the law going into effect yesterday. Now, the Supreme Court has spoken, and by a 5-4 vote, the court officially declined to block Texas's law. The bottom line is this, as many pundits, even on the left, have noted, Roe v. Wade is on the ropes. All three Supreme Court justices appointed by Donald Trump voted to allow the law to continue. Some have noted the novel aspect of this particular case, that it would rely on Texas's citizens in some respects to enforce the law via litigation, as being a factor in why the Supreme Court punted last night. So, as for now, the second largest state in the union will be saving babies' lives as long as this law is continued to move forward in effect. The left, as you can imagine, is very concerned. Newsweek contributor Richard Hananiah had this commentary about the Texas abortion law. Quote, you can't screen for Down syndrome before about 10 weeks, and something like 80% of Down syndrome fetuses are aborted. If red states ban abortion, we could see a world where they have five times as many children with Down syndrome and similar numbers for other disabilities. Former acting U.S. Solicitor General Neil Cadial tells MSNBC. And if you're like, say, a Silicon Valley tech company thinking of moving to Texas, I think you better think twice because it is on the verge of turning into something very medieval. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is, we're not a nation of laws and we never have been. We're a nation of political will and we always will be. In other good news, the state of Florida will start issuing $5,000 fines to businesses, schools, and government agencies that require people to show proof of vaccination. Remember that Antifa teacher in Sacramento we told you about yesterday who gave his students extra credit if they attended an Antifa march and told students they were fascists if his Antifa flag hung on his classroom wall made them feel uncomfortable? Yeah, there happened to be a Natomas Unified School District board meeting last night. There were so many red flags. A man had an Antifa flag behind his desk. Yeah, terrible mouth on the After that meeting, the Natomas School Board announced they are taking steps to fire that teacher. A new Economist YouGov poll finds Joe Biden is just barely above water in his approval rating. 47% approve of the job he's doing, while 46% disapprove. The poll sampled Democrats at plus 14. 20 states are getting set to sue the Biden administration to stop new regulations governing sex and gender so-called discrimination in schools. Podcast host Joe Rogan is this close to blowing the lid off the larger narrative on ivermectin and COVID vaccines after he came down with COVID last weekend. So I got back from the road Saturday night feeling very weary. I had a headache and I just felt just run down. And just to be cautious, I separated from my family, slept in a different part of the house And throughout the night, I got fevers and sweats, and I knew what was going on. So I got up in the morning, got tested, and turns out I got COVID. 
So we immediately threw the kitchen sink at it. All kinds of meds, monoclonal antibodies, uh, ivermectin, Z-Pak, uh, prednisone, everything. Uh, and I also got an NAD drip and a vitamin drip. And I did that three days in a row. And so here we are on Wednesday and I feel great. I really only had one bad day. Sunday sucked, but Monday was better. Tuesday felt better than Monday, and today I feel good. I actually feel pretty good. Now he's being attacked and mocked for taking quote-unquote horse medicine, which is Big Pharma's latest psyop to destroy the credibility of ivermectin, which won the Nobel Prize a few years ago. And now a reminder of what we're up against. The CDC is officially recommending unvaccinated Americans not travel during the Labor Day weekend. Dr. Anthony Fauci seems to be re-upping his infatuation with masks. Obviously, those people who are not vaccinated should be wearing a mask. But in indoor settings, when you're in an area which is almost the entire country in which there's a high degree of viral dynamics, you should wear a mask. Dr. Gozi Iziki, the director of the Illinois Department of Health, had this to say about masks, quote, The bottom line is that masks are as effective as vaccines are. She now says she was misquoted. Checking in on Australia, where this man was literally arrested for having the sniffles. And finally, we head to the well once more with this headline from the Babylon Bee. CDC still baffled. People are paying attention to them. And that's what happened while we were away. <laughs> Oh, Aaron's montage brought to you by our friends at Patriot Wine, because down in Argentina, they have vineyards up at around 9,000 feet, some of the highest altitude Malbec grapes in the world, made by the same family for a couple hundred years now. Uh, and you're talking about incredible wines that are um, imported with a, a notes of blackberry, dark cherry, leather, smoke. Uh, all three of us have tried a bottle. Great to be paired with a steak or red meat, uh, this kind of red wine, particularly for grilling season. Uh, and uh, and did I mention they taste great? And they're from the third highest vineyard in the world. Uh, no inflated prices, not loaded with chemicals, sugars, uh, or fillers either. Fantastic wine available to you for 50% off. No promo code necessary. You just need to head over to PatriotWine2021.com. Again, that's PatriotWine2021.com. Coming up in the overtime today, I mentioned this yesterday, uh, on, on Tuesday night, uh, I did a Zoom strategy call with a group of out-of-state state legislators, so not Iowa state legislators. These are from another state. I won't tell you what state they were, but we, we did a strategy call on, on both COVID data and pushing back on what Alex Berenson called on the show yesterday, vaccine apartheid. Okay. Um, there were a few main points that I hammered home to them for actionable items that they could do. I'm going to put that in the overtime today. I'm going to give you kind of a mini uh, breakdown of the breakdown I gave to them. So if you're a state legislator in this audience, I hear from state legislators all over the country uh, in my inbox. So you're going to get this. If you're a Blaze TV subscriber, you don't have to call me now and try to make my schedule sync up with yours. If, if you would like any guidance, if you think I can help you, provide you any, uh, little old me, um, you, can, you can get that today uh, at blazetv.com slash dace. We will record this. And if you're, even if you're not a legislator, you want to take this to your state legislator, your school board member, et cetera. blazetv.com slash dace. 
is where we will um, upload it later today. We'll record it right after today's show, and then it will be available for you today at blazetv.com slash dace, and that's also where you can go to get a discounted subscription to Blaze TV if you're not yet a subscriber and want to make sure you become one in order to get today's overtime. Let's get to Aaron's montage, which I, I, I don't know, guys. It's been years, I think. It's been a while since we have had a collection of encouraging news in Aaron's montage on back-to-back days as we have now had. Can you guys remember the last time we had this kind of encouraging news on back-to-back days? Not being exaggerative, maybe never. Maybe not not since we started doing your montage. Certainly not since COVID. I think that's pretty obvious, right? So that that at least takes us back now over a year and a half, okay? So let's, let's tackle as many of these as we can. Let's start at the top. With the big news, which which caused me to to break character here with um, uh, Joe Asuzu style Facebook approved takes. There is no issue that has more galvanized and energized the the American right than Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade is responsible for the Reagan revolution. Roe v. Wade is responsible for creating a new um, a, a new segment of voter, a new constituency known as Christian conservatives. Heck, Roe v. Wade is responsible for Catholics and evangelicals working together in the public square uh, in this culture for maybe the first time ever in the history of Americana. Or at least since we needed Maryland to vote for the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> okay? It's been a while. It's, it's not the, the anti-tax study tables that Grover Norquist still holds that drove Ronald Reagan to the White House. It was the creation of that third leg of the stool. It was the galvanizing of America's churches into a political constituency. Prior to Roe v. Wade, Catholics were pretty staunch Democrats. Even to this day, it's a good day for a Republican if they get a majority of Catholic votes. Prior to Roe v. Wade, evangelicals really weren't an organized political constituency at all. Prior to Roe v. Wade and the organizational effort that it created in the latter 70s, early 80s, Jimmy Carter was winning a majority of white evangelicals as supposedly one of us in 1976 over Gerald Ford. For 50 years now, Going on 50 years. There has been no greater stain on the character of this nation, on the collective soul of this nation, and the execution of its own children. Even in 2019, in the last few years, we have seen some astonishing declines in the abortion rate in America. That is good. But in 2019, the last year we have full data, we still executed 888,000 of our children. 888,000. The previous decade and the decade before and the decade before, we were doing over a million abortions a year. Since slavery, there has been no darker corner on the collective American soul than these mass child executions. The state that exported this to the rest of the country was the state of Texas via Roe v. Wade. 
And now I'm sitting here looking at my Twitter account right before we go on the air, seeing a tweet from Hillary Clinton bemoaning that Roe v. Wade has been overturned. I won't go quite that far. But at the very least, at the very least, the U.S. Supreme Court yesterday, late last night, dealt a serious body blow to Roe v. Wade. At the very least, it is staggering in the middle of the ring like Clubber Lang ready and waiting for Rocky to finish him off. It might be mortally wounded. It, It could be given its own standing eight count. But at the very least, it is staggering. Roe v. Wade bleeds like any other man. We now know this. By a five to four vote. And three of those votes were the justices that Donald Trump appointed. And you go back to the, I think it was the final debate against Hillary Clinton and Trump vowed not to just appoint pro-life justices. He vowed to appoint justices that would overturn Roe. If you are a pro-lifer and you gambled on Donald Trump in 2016, we did not. We, the members of this show, are all pro-life. We did not gamble on him in 2016. We didn't think it was a worthy gamble. You win. You won the argument. I think all three of us, to some degree, couldn't be happier to have lost this one. There's no other way to put it. Had Donald Trump not won in 2016, we wouldn't be here at this time with Roe v. Wade right now. That is assured. All of us who are pro-lifers owe Donald Trump an immense amount of gratitude for the seismic role he has played and at the very least putting Roe versus Wade in retreat. This is the greatest singular act against collective injustice in this culture since Brown versus Board of Education, at least, and maybe since the Emancipation Proclamation. When you look at the death toll of Roe v. Wade, when you look at the soul toll, what it has done to the women that have subjected themselves to its lies, incalculable. And it wasn't the man, it wasn't the man who credited Jesus with overtaking his drunkenness, who was considered the first evangelical president, a man whose character and honor we all loved. No, his chief justice voted with the baby killers, John Roberts. Do we need to start talking about him in the same breath as Tanny and Dred Scott? That's a great analogy. Yes. We tried to give him some benefit of the doubt yesterday. Yes. No longer. No. No, I think... He's that, an evil, that, evil man. Yes, I agree. I agree. No, it was the crass, profane, orange-tinted, mean tweeter. Just as it was the man who left the Canaanite brothel 10 minutes ago who then went ahead and said, you know what, I'm going to 
my last act here. I'm going to plunge the, the pillars of the fish demon Dagon down into the dirt face down. That's my last, that's my mic drop moment. No, it was Donald Trump who did it. And we all should say thank you. And we should also thank our sovereign God who used a problematic man like Donald Trump to do it. Who uses problematic people because you know what, folks? <laughs> There's only problematic people. And that's not to say decency doesn't matter. It does. Kindness doesn't matter. It does. But we can turn decency and kindness into idols every bit as much as we can turn the more solid aspects of our nature into our own idols to justify them. We can frankly turn anything into an idol. I knew the morning after he won that election, I had to give this up or I would turn my desire to be vindicated in standing up against most of my audience and opposing him to the very end. I knew if I did not give this up the next morning after he won, I would turn this into the idol. I would frankly be my own version of Jonah Goldberg or David French. I would want vindication. So I would pounce on every weakness, every mistake in order to justify the confrontation of the previous election. I, I knew I had to lay it down. So the next morning I came in here after that election, and what was the first thing I did that day? That. I laid it down. Uh, arguably the greatest decision you've ever made in your career. I think it's I, I think it I think had I not made that decision, it might have ruined me, not even just professionally. Personally, look at you asked me the other day about bringing Allie Stuckey on. She's been going back and forth with David French. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't want to do that. You know, why I don't want to do that. I, I, I don't even know what David French is. I've known David French. He's been on this show numerous times going back to before you guys even worked here and including since you have joined it. I don't recognize that. I, I don't I don't even want to talk to that. I don't, I don't think that's worthy of me acknowledging you know why? Because idolatry makes fools cowards of us all. I promise you, the David French we, we grew up reading as conservatives in National Review in 2003 was never writing Drag Queen Storytime Hour was a blessing of liberty. That was never happening. But he decided to polish his idol instead of follow the truth. That's the only choice I made here. The choice that you guys made that I did not has officially paid off in a big way. There are children and not an insignificant number. This is the second largest state in this country. There are children who are going to be alive today who would not have been in the state of Texas if Donald Trump had not won. And we must recognize that and be thankful for that. And be thankful to a sovereign God that works through problematic people because there's only problematic people. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the lesson here for me and for all of us, but especially for me, that I've learned out of this, is to look at character holistically 
It's not just what Bill Clinton said in the 90s. I can be a terrible person, husband, father, but if I vote for the right policies, it doesn't matter. It can't just be that. Nor can it be, I'm decent, I'm kind, I'm respectful, I'm George W. Bush, but my gift that keeps on giving is a chief justice that has screwed you for a more than a decade since I've left office on everything you freaking care about. But it's okay, don't, don't worry about that. Because, you know, I was kind to people, including the people that are currently wrecking the country. It's not just that. We have to look at this holistically. People are more complicated. God is both imminent and transcendent. Thank you for being right. Elsewhere. I have to say, I've spent a lot of time on this show over the years analyzing polling, letting you guys in as we and those of us that do this professionally, how we do it, how we read it, debunking fake phony baloney polls, right? We've done a lot of those shows over the years. Yes. I have to say, man, mad props. I, I just, I got to lay it down for the economist. And you, Gov, to actually publish a poll and like put your name on it, bro. Okay. Like if 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 you poll for Putin and said, "Hey, you know, I've got uh, our samples plus fourteen former KGB agents," he will execute you for that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) To put out a poll in a free society. With a sample of plus 14 Democrat. And you see how big their sample was too. It's over 1,200 people. Yeah. Let me tell you what that went on there, man. How many more Democrats do we have to keep accepting into our sample to get to the number we want? Yeah, they were adding them at like 2 a.m. in the morning. Yes, 1,272. That's how many people we had to pull to weight the sample to where we are. We weighted at plus 9, plus 10. He was still underwater. Plus 11, 12, 14. Voila! To put that out, man, and then give Joe Biden a one-point approval, net approval of one point with a plus 14 Dem, I just, I got to tell you, all right, in the era of Fauci, Debbie Burks, everyone stay home, bedazzle your face shields, meanwhile, I'm going off for a full family Thanksgiving, right? I mean, guys... Who was the mayor, the Texas mayor who went on his honeymoon when he made everybody? Yes. Okay. Guys, come on, man. Gavin Newsom hanging out with comedians in restaurants that are closed with no masks in an era of no shame whatsoever. Guys, God bless him for what he did for us on the life issue, but he is still Donald Trump. There is still at least a modicum of shamelessness there, right? Okay. In this era, in this era, where there is no bottom to roll out with a poll that is plus 14 of the guy's party and then say, and it's a one point net of favorable. I feel like my work here might be done. Like this, it's football season. Maybe I've run my, I've run my race. Have I finished my race? I kind of think we just might be done here. I mean, I, where do we go after? This is, the, this is, I, I just, I don't, I, I, I can't even get mad. I can't get offended on some level. I've just got to, I got to pour one out, man. I mean, that is, 
even Nefarious is blushing. Even even Nefarious is like, plus 14, y'all put that out? I mean, I just... Mad props, man. I, I just... I don't even know. I, I just, I can't do anything other than congratulate that level of base. I mean, just complete debased. I can't even weld. And the economists, you have to subscribe to read even like the front page of their website. They're very high brow. Here's our poll plus 14, one party. And it's a one point net favorable. I, I just, beautiful. When the lie is that over the top and that easily found out. Yes. At that point, it isn't Occam's razor. The lie is the point. Then, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. The lie is yes. at least at least at least lie better. Give us a plus four. But you don't plus need seven to Democrat the lie sample. Is the point. Plus why? fourteen is literally like just rubbing a dog's nose and its own crap. That's Todd, what it is. Todd, why wouldn't you just fabricate the entire thing then? Yeah. Yes. You got why a plus you fourteen sample. That's, I, I, I know. It's just I can't. I just it. It's the greatest poll in American history. That's what it is. So just how much equity do you have in your home? You know, you could find out the hard way. Uh, when you go to access it and it's gone, uh, cybercrime experts are alerting homeowners that the more equity you have, the greater the chance foreign domestic criminals are going to come after it with what is called home title theft. This is what home title lock looks to stop. They're America's leader in home title protection, and you could be a, vo- a victim right now, and you don't even know it. Here's how it goes down. First, cyber thieves search hundreds of public databases for high-equity homes. Then they pull your home's online title, forge your signature stating you sold your home to them, and then they take out loans using your equity, and you're not covered by your homeowner's insurance or your mortgage lender. So you want to protect your most valuable asset, your home, right now. Register your address over at HomeTitleLock.com to see if you're already a victim and then you can receive a complete title history of your home to make sure you're free and in the clear. That's normally $100. They're offering it to you today for free. That's available today for you for free when you go to HomeTitleLock.com That's HomeTitleLock.com Not that I want to rub it in that dude that was negotiating with me for a box of my cookie dough bill bars. But I just had a cookie dough built bar. Was it good? And I want him to know it was glorious. Yes. Real and spectacular? It was, yes. Yeah. Very real, very spectacular. All right. Let's deliver as promised. How about some double fisted theology Thursday action? All right. So I saw this over at the Christian Post yesterday. Rick Warren saying, if you love your neighbor, you will wear a mask. Now, for those of you that don't recall or might be a little younger, uh, Rick Warren wrote the best-selling, I guess we'll call it, Christian book since Hal Lindsey's late great planet Earth in the 70s, The Purpose Driven Life. And there was a period of time in the early 2000s that a lot of people thought he was going to be the next Billy Graham. And then instead, he just kind of became a Hawaiian-shirted Joel Osteen And that's why you just don't hear his name as much very often. Um, I want to go after and correct what he said. 
because it's there's there's no it's it's not a bad theology. It's it's absent theology. The, the statement has no theology. It's an emotional sentiment. Um, it's meaningless. First of all, the highest call for a believer is not to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. It is a high call for a believer to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. It is a high call, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's In fact, it's one of the highest calls. Yes. Yes. But is it the highest call? No. No. If we make loving our neighbor the highest call, then who have we just made God? Not the highest. Not the highest. We've elevated a human being to that pedestal. Yes. And we've decided that I, I, I must now make accommodation. See, we just talked last segment how we can turn anything into an idol. Anything. We can now take what Christ said was the second most important commandment. The summation of all the law. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. We can turn that into an idol. Because if I make that the first most important commandment, I have now elevated somebody human or a group of humans into that prime position. And that's now where I will decide that accommodating you and affirming you is my highest requirement. Even if what you're doing or saying or encouraging or inspiring is right out of the bowels of hell and demonic or just even mildly contradicts the word of God. So look how quickly you lost the total definition of love. Yes, I did. Yeah. Here's an important distinction. God is love, but love is not God. That is a very important distinction. God is love, but love is not God. God, because love is is endemic to his character, he defines what love is. We do not. And just because we love something doesn't mean it's good or good for us. Lots of people love meth. Is it good for them? It is not. So we would probably need some standard somewhere to tell us what when, when loving something can be good, right? Yes. Yeah. The highest calling for the believer is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And what that means is with every fiber of your being, everything you can offer. Paul refers to it in the book of Romans as offering yourself. Paul himself, a Jew, very well versed. I mean, that when Jesus quotes that, he's quoting from Moses, by the way. Jesus is quoting Moses when he says, when he's asked, what's the most important commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the next most important is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. But that first one he is quoting from Moses when he says that. So this is a consistent strain from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Jesus, who died for you, Can someone do more for you than give their life on your behalf? Is it possible for any being in the cosmos to do more for you than to give their life for you to live? Can anybody do more than that, give more than their own life, anything more? No. No. He did that for you. That's a pretty powerful demonstration of his love, right? Total demonstration. Yes, Yes, it is. That same being in frustration says, 
Why do you call me Lord if you will not do what I say? He did not lay down his life for you so that you would disobey him. He did so so that you could obey him. The highest calling of the believer is obedience. Faithful obedience. That's what discipleship is. Long obedience in the same direction. So therefore, first we please God before we worry about pleasing men. And in God's commandments, he says first and foremost, don't worship false gods. He then later says in his commandments, do not bear false witness. The masks don't work. They don't work. Several of you want me to comment on a study from Bangladesh. Let me put it as politely as I can because it's Theology Thursday. If it's another segment, I might put it another way. Okay? But are you bleeping kidding me? You want me to analyze a study from Bangladesh when I've got the real-time data of a year plus of masks and mask mandates and mask usage in my own country. Here's my answer to your request. Politely, though, because it is Theology Thursday. No. no, I'm not even going to open it. I'm not going to look at it. I don't have to. Nor should you. Maybe they cracked the code, Steve. Anybody that wants to bring for you, if you have friends on your Facebook pages or your social media accounts that have, have ignored all the real-time data you have shown them that masks don't work and have decided to now hop on your page with a link to a study from Bangladesh, get better friends! Okay? That's not one of the commandments. That's one of Steve's suggestions. Get better friends. Get better friends. Your friends suck. They're not interested in the truth. It's like that economist YouGov poll. I mean, it's the yes. same. Yes. Your friends are like, the, are like those who came to Christ and said, are we tithing on the right amount of cumin and spice? And don't heal people on the Sabbath. Get better friends. Your friends suck. Masks don't work. They don't work. Let me repeat. They do not work. And there is no real-time data anywhere in the world that shows that they do. They do not work. Therefore, to, to, to offer to do something for somebody that doesn't work. If I, why, don't I, why don't I offer my neighbors when their cars are broken down? To fix their cars. Hey, can I, let me do that for you. Why do you think I don't offer to do that? You don't know how to fix cars. Because I don't know how to fix cars. And therefore, by making that offer, I would be doing what? I would be bearing false witness. I'd be giving them a false hope. I would be misrepresenting myself. I would be deceiving them, correct? Correct. Correct. By going to your neighbor and saying, I will wear this mask to protect you, you are doing that. You are bearing false witness. They don't work. Yes, their inconvenience and all that other stuff. None of that matters, though. 
You know what else is being inconvenienced? Uh, put on a cross and crucified. Inconveniencing? Yes. Very inconveniencing. Yes. Uh, we do things for people that are inconvenient that are an inconvenience when we love our neighbor as we love ourselves correct yes so it has nothing to do with the fact that they're a nuisance and a hassle to wear it has everything to do with the fact they don't work therefore there's no point to the nuisance than the hassle except for one which brings us to the next commandment you're breaking they have become a talisman of a pseudo spirit of the age religion Which, if you affirm, not, I'm wearing this with reservations, because otherwise I can't get on an airplane to go to a funeral or a business meeting. No, I'm affirming the mission. This is like what Paul says in Romans as well about eating meat sacrificed to idols. If you're, if you're hanging around with your pagan friends and like, dude, that's, some, that's a good smelling steak, I'm going to have a piece. And they've sacrificed it to idols. You know that their idols are meaningless, worthless. And if it smells good and you like it, the meat's good, you know it, that none of this is, this is all worthless. Enjoy. But, but don't actually do it for the purpose of worshiping their idol. That's where we get into trouble. And if, if you've got a lesser brother who maybe comes out of a religious, a false religion like this, struggling with their conscience, don't use your freedom in front of them that might cause them to stumble. Notice that Paul is putting the emphasis on not using your freedom to cause someone else to worship a false god or bear false witness. What Warren is suggesting is that you use the freedom God gave you to disobey God in order to please people. He's flipped the premise on its head. That's demonic. As Christians, we're called in situations to sacrifice our freedom in order to set the right example. Now, Warren would tell you that's what he's arguing for. Except all the data shows he's not. So either Rick Warren is really stupid or he's just a people pleaser. Hell's full of those. Full of them. I don't know Rick Warren, so I don't know which it is. I do know this, though. I'm out of patience with all of this. Out of it. I'm out of grace. I'm, I'm out. So you might have to have somebody else have these conversations from this time forward. I'm, I'm, I'm real Old Testament Joel about this right now, okay? Like, I got some end times imagery for you. That's where I'm at. I'm in, I'm in Nehemiah mode right now. I'm kind of out of, you know, let me, let's do this. Let's rebuke with tenderness. Like Paul says to Timothy, I'm sorry, Paul. I'm out. I'm out of the tenderness and I'm full all in on some Nehemiah right now. Because this stupidity has got to stop. You're not helping anybody at all. And then by making that claim, you're affirming the pseudo-religious claims behind the talisman of the spirit of the age itself. You're not loving your neighbor as yourself by doing those things. Now, would I go so far as to say that this is never the case, that you can love your neighbor as yourself while wearing a mask? No. If you're at the home of your grandmother, somebody who's high risk, and they ask you to do this because they're afraid, now this is where we're to the don't cause somebody else's integrity to stumble thing. I will do this. Not because it doesn't work. No, I'm not, no, I'm not affirming anything. 
but it, but it's a, it's an inconvenience to me. I'm not changing my beliefs for you, but I will serve you. I'll I'll do the equivalent of washing your feet via a mask. But to blanketly say you must wear a mask in order to love your neighbor as you love yourself is to impart upon the mask efficacy and effectiveness it has never demonstrated. Thus, you're bearing false witness. And then to affirm the premise of a fake pagan spirit of the age pseudo-religion. Other than that, though, it has a wonderful singing voice. Pontius Pilate takes Jesus into a back room trying to figure out what's this guy's angle, what's his game, what's going on here. He's looking for some kind of bribe, political solution as the religious leaders demand his execution. And Jesus looks at him and says, for this reason, I came into the world to testify to the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Does that at least indicate to some degree, if God came into the world to testify to the truth, that the truth may have a very high esteemed value to God? Fair? Yeah. I think, can we deduce that even in our finite human minds? Yes. The truth is masks don't work. And the truth is they have become a talisman for a fake pagan pseudo-religion. That's the truth. Start there. Now. In acknowledgement of that, if there are situations that you just cannot navigate society without, fine, I'll put on your bleeping mask. Or if you've got a loved one who's particularly freaked out and just and makes this request of you in order to see your grandchildren or your nephews or nieces. Or it's an ex-wife or husband and they do this for you to see your children. You know what I would probably do then? Put on the damn mask. Why? Because what's more important than, than the mask? My kids, Right. See, we constantly need to calculate here the hierarchy of values. To blanketly give this bestowment upon masks elevates a lie and elevates pleasing people above obeying God. And it keeps choosing fear over hope, which again is antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, perfect love casts out all fear. Yes. What's one of the most oft said phrases in the entire scriptures fear not do not fear yes all right more theology thursday when we come back back here with hour two live and on demand on blaze tv radio and podcast steve dace here alongside totters and Aaron McIntyre, and then all of you, let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. That's steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook, where I will probably lie to you with hashtag Facebook approved takes, giving you the narrative that they prefer. Uh, You can also find out what I really think, though, if you follow me on Twitter at Steve Dace Show or MeWe, Parlor, Gab, or Getter. That's G-E-T-T-R. For those of you kind of new to the alternative social media platform game, uh, Parler and Getter are kind of takeoffs on Twitter. 
uh, Gab and MeWe are kind of takeoffs on Facebook. If that kind of narrows it down, if there's one approach that you favor over the other. Uh, also, you can get clips of the show over at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Again, rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And we want to thank all of you who are listeners of the podcast that left us a five-star review. Hit subscribe for us. So many of you have done that. Thank you. You've played a huge role in the explosive growth of this show over the last year plus. Thank you to each and every one of you. And if you've got time today and you're a podcast listener who hasn't done these things, please, we would ask you to consider uh, to please do so. Part two of Theology Thursday coming up here in just a moment. First, though, let me tell you about Rough Greens, and we've been telling you about them for quite a while now. It's the supplement powder that you sprinkle into your pet's food. It's so simple. It just puts back into your pet's food all the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, pre, probiotics, antioxidants that were stripped out at the factory so that your pet's food will have a long shelf life for mass distribution. Same thing they do with the human food. That's why we take so many supplements nowadays to put that stuff back into our diets. But now there's a supplement for your pet. But you may be wondering... If I put this stuff in my pet's food, will they like it? How about we find out by giving you the first 14-day jumpstart bag for free? Is is that's oh, is that me. Ron doing I think the dog? That's Ron. The dog, okay. <laughs> I, was like, I was looking okay. for where that was coming from. All right, man. I, I didn't know if maybe, you know, you had given me somebody had secretly the honeymoon suite or something had tapped into my ear, and then I realized what it was. Ron in Dallas is doing an an impression of my impression of Cap eating rough greens. Okay, that was a very disturbing sound, folks. I apologize. Okay, for that distraction, even a even a grizzled veteran like myself could not maintain focus in the midst of whatever that was in my ear. Please. Don't ever do that again. Anyway, back to Rough Greens. The first bag is on us for free. That 14-day jumpstart bag. Uh, we ask you to pay for the shipping, so you got some skin in the game. But that's only going to cost you a couple bucks. We'll give you the bag for free over at roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F, for roughgreens.com. And then again, you can give them a call, 833-ROUGH-DOG. So part two of Theology Thursday, here's what I want to spring on you guys. And we have talked about this as a general principle theologically on the show before. But I, I would like the three of us now to apply this in a, in a specific personal way. There have, been, there have been a lot of, regardless of whether you, what your belief system is, I mean, the, the, those who are completely bought into the spirit of the age fear porn, Jesus died for them too. Those who have legitimate fears because you are in a certain risk category or exposed to people with a certain risk category, Jesus died for them too. And then those of us who have tried to kind of just follow the data from the very beginning, no matter where it goes, Jesus died for them too. And then the remaining few who still think that there's no such thing as coronavirus out there, Jesus died for them too, right? Okay. Whichever one of those groups you're in, you have not escaped some dark days here over the last year plus. For those of us, though, that that do cherish and carry with us the belief system that gave birth to what we call today American exceptionalism, there have been a lot of dark days recently. A lot of contemplations of things being discussed and proposed that take us down one-way dead-end roads historically, spiritually, 
socioeconomically, right? Yep. The kinds of places that cultures don't typically return from once they decide, right. hey, let's let's try that dead end street and see where it goes. Hey, next stop, Salem's Lot. Let's live there, mm-hmm. right? Um, I know there's been a lot of people, you know, my wife now is, is a fully licensed therapist. Uh, she works in a big office with a lot of other therapists. They're, the demand is so high, they have to turn people away. And sadly, a lot of that new demand that they cannot serve, young people, teenagers, people in their early 20s, about the ages of our own children, Dot. So there have been a lot of dark days recently. There have been a lot of dark thoughts and discussions and a lot of people dealing with a lot of dark thoughts. Which is why when when we have a day like today, I got up today and the first thing I see is the news about what happened at the Supreme Court last night with Roe. I, I, I was just, I was just flabbergasted. It's, I, again, I would not go so far as to say it has been overturned, but it has, it has taken a punch in the nose. At the very least, it, it's taken a punch in the nose. We found out Roe v. Wade's not impenetrable. It bleeds in the ring, too. It just needed, we needed to finally hit it. We've been dancing around it for 30 plus years. We needed to, since Casey, we needed to punch it. And we did, and look what happened. It's bleeding. It's like that scene in Rocky Four. When Rocky realizes Ivan Drago, he, he, he bleeds like any other man too, mm-hmm. okay? And, and I was blown away in that, first of all, just beyond my own moral and spiritual conviction about this issue, my own mother wrestled with this choice. I, I, I could have been one of those 60 million children that never saw the light of day. Human beings are going to be permitted to live in the state of Texas today who might not have otherwise been. I might have been one of those children 48 years ago. And therefore, those three beings known as Anastasia, Zoe, Noah, and all their potential and the joy they bring into the world never happens. Deciding to give birth to me changes the direction of Vicki Ray's life, my mom. She goes back to school, gets a GED, goes back to college, becomes a nurse. She's a mom now. She's got to make something out of herself. At the fresh old age of 15. Who knows what the impact would have been on her if she had made this decision. Maybe she'd... How many women have been spiritually, emotionally scarred by putting themselves through this process and then the guilt they feel later and, and, and no one offers them forgiveness or redemption for it, right? And I'm just one of these stories, folks. I'm just one of them. We've had almost 60 million children who didn't get this chance. Then count the millions of children whose mothers wrestled with the decision like mine and were given that chance. And you're talking about there's not a street in America that doesn't have a household that has not been touched by this. 
And I guess when I when I thought we'd finally strike a blow against it, it would be on a grander scale. It wouldn't be like 12:30 last night, Supreme Court votes five to four to uphold the Texas law taking effect, and it's a press release. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It just is. All the think of all the debates, the elections, the protests, the March for Life every year, these grandstands that have been made against this all this time. 12.30 last night, they take a vote. It's 5-4 press release. It's surreal in a way, almost anticlimactic kind of, right? Again, we're not all the way there, but I, I wasn't sure I'd even get to do this show during my career. I, I spent many years in my career arguing with pro-life leaders to actually do bills like this. And you two listened to those shows before you came to work here. And I got called every name in the book. Yep. Sell out purist obstructionist would have my character smeared and everything else because for trying to get pro-life leaders to do bills like this like this i don't care about any of that now i'm just beyond grateful that there are children in texas today that are going to get the shot that vicky gave me my mama gave me and for those moms those women that will not go through the burden of the guilt and the doubts that committing an act like abortion does to us on a, on a molecular soul level. Women who won't have the option of falling for this fraud, they were saved today too. And in the midst of all these dark days, dark thoughts, dark discussions, the tide officially turns in what has been the longest moral debate and struggle in modern American history. After seeing that news, I get up I have to go outside for something. And I'm just like, wow. It's not even fall yet. Like a beautiful fall morning. I checked the weather app. It's going to have weather like this all along. We just got new windows at the house. Thanks to the success of this book because of people like you. Upgrades and stuff to my home I've had, have had to do for the last 10 years and didn't have the money to do. I, I'm able to do this stuff now. Open those. They just got done yesterday. Opened up all these new windows in the home this morning. Let that fall air in, that fresh air in. And I'm like, here's an enormous thing that millions of us have written columns, done messages, sermons, knocked on doors, protested, marched, prayed for a moment like this to arrive as it did last night. Wondering if we'd ever live to see it. And then suddenly, pardon the expression, like a thief in the night, it happened. And then it's the little things like, wow, I can actually see out my windows. Open them. Beautiful fall. Let the fresh air in. And you know what it was, folks? Another reminder. We have a lot of problems. A lot of issues. 
we are still as a people desperately attempting to urinate away the greatest legacy inheritance and blessing that God has ever permitted a people to have east of Eden on this landmass. But you know what? In spite of all of that, we are way more blessed than we deserve. So many previous generations that have come before us, including generations of believers, would love the privilege of wrestling with the problems we are right now. And doing so while at the same time, Aaron and I are in a fantasy draft against each other last night. They, 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 they would love to have the luxury. As the writer of the book of Hebrews refers to it, that large crowd of witnesses that comes before us would have loved the luxury of wrestling with these existential stakes at the same time they were given the blessing of just frivolous pursuits in their spare time that they could not even contemplate. And I think this is another reminder for all of us. And I, I wanted to take a minute on a personal level and share some of my own personal thoughts and frankly feelings that I am very thankful that God allowed me to live here. That God has blessed me way beyond what I deserve. To say I'm sorry I don't remember that enough. And to say thank you that he keeps blessing me more than I deserve, despite the fact it's true that I don't remember enough what he's already blessed me with. So I thought for part two of Theology Thursday, and I decided to step up to the plate and go first. With both a big thing and then just a little thing. And I could give you many other things. You know, you raise your kids and you're not sure how they're going to turn out. And they're not done yet, but it's little things like my oldest has moved out, but she grew so close to her two siblings once a week, she still comes and picks them up and they spend an evening with her hanging out with their big sis. You can't take that stuff for granted. You can't. Seeing that as a dad just, just gives me all the warm fuzzies, man. I, I grew up in a home that was very divided and very dysfunctional. My little brother and I just don't have much in common. There's been numerous times I've attempted to bridge that divide. I just can't. And so we haven't had a meaningful conversation in probably five years. I've prayed so often for that mistake not to be passed on to my children. And so to see, even with Anna out of the house, them desire to spend time with her, her desire to spend time with them, even though she has her own life now, and to make that time for them. Again, I don't, I don't, I don't deserve that blessing, but it was given to me. And I'm thankful for it. I could go on, but I'm going to let you guys go now. I, I think we should all take a moment and realize in the midst of all of this going on right now, conversations and debates no previous generation of Americans would have ever believed we'd even entertain or, or contemplate, and yet here we are. All of us are still 
blessed way beyond what we deserve. The floor is open. Well, you know, I'm, I've told you about my schizophrenia with the balancing out of trying to plan for my daughter's future and then wondering if that future exists, the two oldest ones in, in particular. Uh, and to have a uh, wife who, again, I, I did mention uh, this last week, but when I, after, uh, before I confronted uh, my deacon after Mass last Sunday for him going all uh, David French, the uh, masks are the gospel and the gospel are masks. And to have her by my side, and when I said, you, you know, I need to talk to him, and she said, I know you do and I want you to. Uh, that's a blessing. That's an absolute blessing. Isn't that like when, isn't that like Adrian saying to rock, yeah, there's yeah. one more thing I want you to do. Yeah. When, when, you know. Right. When the wife says, yeah, yeah, club them, dude, you just hear the music but in the back of your head. Don't you? It's all, Oh, it, oh yeah. But it's all the more cause she's not me. She's the exact opposite of me. And that is borne out all the more, uh, I've told you, you know, I've been, pounding the pavement on running for school board and running for school board and have been recruiting um, uh, and had some success, but not in my particular uh, subset of the district. You have to live within the to um, within a particular area uh, to run. So ultimately, if I couldn't find anybody to do it, I was going to do it my, myself. But my wife, again, not wanting to do it fearful, uh, anxiety ridden, uh, about doing it, but knowing that one of our daughters, uh, ha- has some anxiety issues, some confidence issues, and she wanted to be a model for that daughter. So my wife decided to step in and said, I'm going to be the one to run this time, which is so not that she doesn't want to help in things, but she, she doesn't want to be in the front row and she's putting herself there. Because the district needs it, all districts need it, and because her daughter needs to see it. Again, blessed. And then with all four of my daughters, Steve again uh, is giving me the day off uh, tomorrow. Probably going to be the last one on this college search with my oldest daughter, her second of two uh, official visits. Uh, Getting to uh, be a part of that in places and in states that we've chosen that uh, have dedicated to themselves to a greater degree of normalcy, something akin to Iowa, um, you know, that that there are people in this world, uh, again, we are three guys in a room, uh, and oftentimes you don't, you don't quite know. I mean, that's why Steve reads the email to make sure we know, but more and more lately, I've got people coming up to me across country meets, Everywhere we go, saying thank you for what you do, really appreciate it, and um, it's you know, betting, betting that those people are out there to be a part uh, of my daughter's uh, lives. It's um, that don't have a, a a prepper mentality has not consumed me, and that my daughters are hopeful about. The future and they know the news they know the stuff we talk about because it would be a level of um malfeasance my part on a father not to prepare them for that especially the older ones you protect them as long as they can but they need to know 
but they're 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 fighters on faith. They have the difficult discussions. They're not worried uh, about if uh, what their friends may think about it uh, in the way that doesn't cause them to bring it up because they know that's not a true friendship. Yeah, uh, if that's a problem, so uh, that that they see something beyond themselves is the reason this life is meant to be lived and it is their God and that he will give them uh, the strength when they need it. Of course, none of this is a surprise to you that I'm talking uh, um, about my uh, my family, but my, com- my cup runneth over. Um, my, my blessings are undeniable. And I do think all the time, as Steve does, that, um, I mean, how how did I trip into this? Well, it's nothing short of uh, the glory of God. And at some point, despite my nonsense, I opened a door just enough of a crack. And God took that as an opportunity to kick it in and just have his way with me. And amen to that. I was up, it was, I can't remember, 12, 30, 1 o'clock this morning uh, for reasons you can probably imagine just sitting there and in in the silence. We usually, Bella and I don't talk too much uh, during those moments, don't want to wake up the little guy, don't want to stimulate him too much. And I was reading through this news that had just broken maybe a half hour to an hour beforehand, and I was half asleep. And I saw this news, and I got up, and I went over and whispered whispered that to, to my wife. And I was like you. I had the exact same reaction as you, Steve. I didn't think... I thought there would be some sort of big fanfare. Obergefell. That, there was weeks leading up to that decision. I thought it would be when, when Roe v. Wade had a, a major blow struck to it perception, legally, otherwise, I thought that there would be a lot more fanfare, but but there wasn't. It was just, uh, yeah, we're, we're not going to challenge this law for now. And I, I didn't, I didn't really, I, I didn't really know what to think other than praise the Lord. That's, that's the only thing that I hmm. could think of right there because we are in, we are in the poop <laughs> every single day. And then all of a sudden, this thing, this thing that all of us to varying degrees who call ourselves conservatively, rightfully so, if this is our non-negotiable, this thing that we have been fighting for, that we get into all of this time, the thought struck me, I would take five, five COVID scamdemics. If this was the trade-off, wouldn't you? If we had to endure that five times over, if this was the trade-off, really, and I know that's that's not how the real world works, but if that's if that's what we had to get through to be able to get this trade-off magically, um, it's it's a reminder. It's a reminder that God still works. He is still working, even then, even when we think He's not. Even when we think we cannot see him, he is still working. We cannot forget that. That's on a on a corporate level too, within a within a culture, 
one way or the other, he's still working. That's not to mention within our own personal lives. Steve, you mentioned the, the fantasy draft that we competed against each other. Uh, ben was pretty fussy last night. So I was doing I was doing the fantasy draft in one hand, and I had my newborn, two-and-a-half-week-old, in the other hand. Talk to him about the picks that I was making <laughs> in between screams and, and cries every now and then. Uh, just sitting outside trying to calm him down. That's, it was a cool night. He wasn't too hot. I was there making my, that, those types of moments are fleeting in life. It's like what I was talking about yesterday. On so many levels, whether it's personally, corporately, um, the cliche is night is always darkest before the dawn. There are so many, guys, there are so many areas we we are this close from flipping the script in in wrestling uh to reversal when you when you get up when you uh when you uh get up and you uh, you're able to turn the tables basically on your opponent after they had you on the ropes we're so close on so many uh, so many things from being able to turn the tables on the spirit of the age but again we cannot confuse divine judgment if that's what we're under for an excuse to sit back and do nothing and we can't confuse revival with complacency in our own lives revival starts from within to without and it's not for the purpose of saving america the hunk of land between these two oceans it's for the sake of saving souls and we have to remember that and when we see evidence that maybe, maybe, just maybe that's happening, we should not hesitate to rejoice. Because Todd is absolutely right. We have been reminded ad nauseum over the past year and a half. You're not allowed to hope. We can rebut that. We can rebuke that. We can say Christians are not allowed to not have hope. And that is absolutely true. But when we see, when we start looking into the abyss and the abyss starts staring back, you would be lying if you said you feel hopeless sometimes. Don't ever let that happen, at least not for too long. These types of days are the days where you let the hope flow. Just let it go. Allow yourselves to hope. Things can and will get better personally, within your families, within your communities, within your church. Things can get better with reliance upon the the source of all that is good in this world and that is that is the lord i think these types of days we have to remind ourselves it's okay to hope it's okay to have an abundance of hope mm. i like let the hope flow i like that and I, I just think we, we we have to put an emphasis on being nimble. The, the culture is not so far gone that we are not permitted the true blessings of liberty, not the fake uh, David French types, but the real ones, the real blessings of liberty. We're, we're still permitted a lot of those. To some varying degree. And I, I think it would be a waste for us to be so fixated 
on the larger meta-narrative that we don't fully enjoy and maximize the very liberty that we're attempting to fight for and preserve at the same time mm-hmm. on a higher plane. Make sense? Yes. So I, I just hope that a little bit of a detour here of, of encouragement. I hope it encouraged you as encouraged as we are. And you're about to be discouraged because we'll come up, we'll find out whatever lame questions Aaron has now come up with for three non-political questions next. Folks, you know, being sweaty all day isn't any fun. Um, Whether it's a first date or any date or a public function or in my case, being asked to speak in front of throngs of people, uh, whatever the case may be, uh, make sure you check out SweatBlock. It is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. I've used both the deodorant and the deodorant lotion, and wow, uh, it lives up to its billing. You can also get the SweatBlock wipes. You just take these wipes, you apply them to your pits right before bedtime, get up the next morning, shower, shave, if guess if you're... A guy, well, chick shave too, just not their face. Uh, do all that stuff, and as you normally would, and one one wipe can prevent uh, uh, pitting out for days, maybe the rest of the week. Uh, a couple a week will last you the entire week, keep you dry the entire time. So if you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out SweatBlock at 20% off today with my last name as your promo code, DACE, D-E-A-C-E, for sweatblock.com with the promo code DACE. Again, I've, I have tested the product. It lives up to its billing. Sweatblock.com, promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E, at sweatblock.com. Let's get to three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. I guess now is as good of a time as any for me to come up with a few questions that might prompt all of us to have a discussion that fills out these last 20 minutes. Did I say that out loud? Did I? Is this on? Oh, man, we're live. Okay. Um, three non-political questions that I thought of, spent a great deal of time coming up with, and now deliver to you post-haste. Brilliant questions, I might add. Question number one, what movie was the biggest mistake to be made? Meaning, th- it was just a mistake to make this movie. And Todd, you cannot select any of the Star Wars movies. Oh, Justice League. You cannot on, select Justice decide, yeah. League. Oh, okay. Um, Star Trek Nemesis. Final Star Trek movie with the Next Generation crew. And they had an opportunity to fully bring the, the Romulans in as a villain or better yet, um, 
do what they never did, which was a major mistake, which was bring Q in as a villain for the movies. I mean, Q was a, is 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 a, one of the greatest villains in Star Trek history, and they never brought him into any of the films. But Star Trek Nemesis um, is a colossal disappointment. Should have been scrapped with the idea they had of a Q or of a Picard clone. It's just no, 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 no. Um, and uh, that was a terrible idea. Um, you had the Romulans, you've got uh, Q sitting on the, in the bullpen and instead, man, you know, to close this thing out with the next gen crew, instead you bring in a Texas leaguer, uh, middle reliever. Okay. No, I mean, Star Trek nemesis was a colossal mistake. So I will say that because it's the first one that came to mind that really pissed me off. I, oh, if I'm cheating, I apologize, Aaron. I did not mean to, but I, I, the, Turning the Hobbit into a trilogy. That is yeah, a good one a good, too. That's a good answer. It that's was, a good one. Yes. It was just too, and I'm like, yeah, more Middle Earth. I mean, and now we got this other. It's like the there's a new series coming out HBO or something. Or it's something. Amazon. Yeah. Amazon. Um, you know, looking forward to it, but you know, I, you didn't have to. Supposedly, it's a prequel. Right to so the events that, of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. That world, entertaining. Uh, they just, there was so much in there that made me feel like Steve does it a lot of things. Like, oh, I, I could fast forward through this. It's yeah. just not. And yeah, it, totally agree with you. And, and even like the, like the dragon and ev- everything that would. I'm almost, I'm a little speechless about it because it's like I'm supposed, this is supposed to be crushing it, but it's not. And I think they just. Uh, it's a money thing trilogy well that's not even that's obviously money but the trilogy has just become you you make trilogies that's what you do if you yeah you don't just make two you make three i don't know they just missed it wasn't like terrible but it it's not even close can it's i give you one more close since you since you've, you've uh the tom cruise mummy movie that Universal had a great idea. First of all, the first shared universe in American movie history was the Universal movie monsters in the 30s and the, the, the early era of the talkies. The Bela Lugosi Dracula, Boris Karloff, Frankenstein, Lon Chaney Jr. as, um, as the Wolfman. They, they actually were in each other's movies while having their own separate universes. So this was the very first ever shared universe that we had. It was almost 100 years ago. Universal still owns the rights to those properties, and so they wanted to create a shared monster universe by resurrecting these original characters that... Uh, people still consider some of those old movies from the 30s to be classics. And the first Tom, and the launch was to do it with The Mummy, with Tom Cruise. Um, and they had, um, uh, uh, who am I thinking of? The Aussie actor who's Gladiator. Um, name escapes Russell me. Crow. Russell Crowe, thank you. He's basically the Nick Fury of this thing, okay? And... It's just the movie's awful and doesn't work on any level. It went so poorly that they ended up scrapping the entire... Uh, plans for a shared universe. Um, so that would be another one I would put there from recent times. Uh, speaking of Marvel, I, or not Marvel, I'm sorry, Universal. I think this is Universal property. Uh, any any Transformers movie yes. after the first one. Yeah. I mean, it was, I thought it was promising after the first one. It, wow, the it, last it just, one's really bad. It was, 
Yeah. It was. Is that the one with that Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins? It's oh. bad, man. Oh it's really bad. Question two: If you could choose one "what if" moment from history and then created an alternate timeline, what moment would you choose? You know what? I'll go back to something I raised on this show a few weeks ago. And can I? Can I? Yep. Can I just? Um, Choose a what-if moment that created an alternate timeline. I'm sorry. Germany wins World War One. What if What if Germany and Austria-Hungary win the family spat amongst the uh, the Habsburg dynasties of Europe? What if Germany and Austria-Hungary win World War One? And it's not a loss for us. We just don't ever get into it. We stay out of it completely. What if, remember, Japan was on the side of the angels in that war. Uh, that war also helped spur on the collapse of the Romanov dynasty in Russia and the rise of the Soviets, the Bolshevik Re- Revolution, which took place right in the midst of that war, 1917. So what if, what if Germany and Austria-Hungary win World War I? No Third Reich. Hitler remains a failed uh, college dropout painter. I, I mean, what what benefit came out of winning that war? I, I can't, I can't think of any benefit that came out of winning that war on any level. Anything just set the stage for far worse events cataclysmically across the board to come. So, what if Germany and Austria Hungary win World War One and we stay out of it? What happens? Well, I'll go there. Uh, what if Martin Luther didn't uh, wet himself when nearly getting struck by lightning and then totally changing the course of his life? Because that was kind of a big moment. That might be the biggest weather event in all of human history. Martin Luther <laughs> almost getting struck by lightning. Uh, what if Todd had never said... I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was thinking about Archduke. What if we'd never had a Catholic on the show? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm not. That wasn't even a criticism. He he testifies. I know. I know. He was scared into that. I know. Yeah. So would it even have happened? Yeah. I mean, what? That, that's a pretty compelling come to Jesus story. I just think there, I honestly just think there would have been others because there were others before him raising many of the same questions. But that can go both ways. There yes. were others before him, and it didn't it well, totally could, alter things. So, like, well, because it got murdered before. Which that is could why happen, I chose but, like, which is why I didn't say, "What if the Reformation?" Didn't happen? Yeah, I mean, I hear you. Why did he? What if? What he, about him? That, what if that yeah. lightning that day? Yeah. What if it never happened? Yeah, because it really, if you're if you if you don't want the Reformation to happen, you really got to go back to what if Johannes Gutenberg had decided not to create a printing press? Well, I mean, he's as responsible for it as Martin Luther is, frankly. But okay, I hear you. Aaron? Um, there was at one point, I think it was in 1983, there was a malfunction uh, within Soviet censors that told them, and I think I'm getting this story right, that told them that the, uh, that the West was launching missiles at them. And they were, uh, they were about to retaliate, and I think it was one general or one colonel said no 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 let's just hold on real quick what if he would have said okay mutually assured destruction here we go Mm. uh that would have been an interesting timeline 
Mm-hmm. I've outset Archduke Ferdinand. I think that just would have kicked the can down the road. Might have even made things worse. The pressure had to be relieved at some point. What if Archduke Ferdinand hadn't kicked off the? I agree uh, with you, which is why reaction. I didn't say that the, the war never happened. Exactly. I just that's why I said, what if we had a different result? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, question three: If you had to choose one Marvel Cinematic Universe superhero to go bad in the upcoming volley of films, which one would you choose to go bad? Yes. Um. I mean, isn't the obvious answer Hulk? Because he's already on kind of a razor's edge to begin with. That sets up a pretty compelling conflict of all of them basically banding together to try to to stop him, essentially. It also doesn't agitprop heroes that I like and turn them into bad guys like Captain America, you know, now a member of Hydra. I hate that friggin' crap. Okay, that's a Marxist tactic to solely inspirational figures and symbols so i'm i mean i gave up pro wrestling when hulk hogan went bad i hated it so badly okay hated it so um i i like good guys to be good and bad guys to uh, either get redeemed or taken out (laughs) that's what i like so i'll go with hulk because he's kind of already on the the razor's edge with that and i don't think it does any any uh, destruction to the canon or the overall art, uh, arc or introduce any kind of postmodern nihilistic theme in order for the Hulk to just take one wrong step across the uh, the line there. Uh, well, the Hulk is, I can't, I, I really, really, upon like second viewing, like I didn't know quite where I was with Thor after the first viewing of Endgame, but I've, I've come to really embrace. I think they could have, they made him too silly too often, but I, what they did with his entire story arc, I think is, is brilliant. But Hulk there at the, I I mean, I understand why Hulk had to, I mean, he's the one who ultimately, because he's the Hulk could be the one to do the snap Mm -hmm. and he couldn't because of the gamma, but he couldn't do the snap if he was a a rage monster. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think they could have, they just, they kind of made him also in the beginning, the goobery. I, I, I just, that lacked a little weight. Like that was pr- perhaps the biggest flaw ultimately at the end to me. So I would like, I, I don't want, I don't want to just see that, you know, where he was mock, he was mocking. Hurry up, cause I gotta do another uh, he was mocking himself. <laughs> so I, I'd like that to change, but I think, how about, um, how about Dr. Strange? Oh, no, that's he, clever. He looks, he, doesn't he look kind of evil in the yeah. trailer? Well, plus, it's a reverse Tony Stark. Yeah. In a bit. yeah. This, Having him, I, that I could see, especially with the occult uh, world that he opens up and having that turn. I like that idea. That's a good idea. Aaron? I think Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Having him go bad? Yeah. But that Why already him? happened. He kind of already of. happened, yeah. Yeah. But he, did he go bad or did he did he break bad? You yeah, know what yeah. I'm he broke bad, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Why that question really quick? Uh, I just superhero question that might open up conversation. Oh, we, you thought like we had an obligatory just, superhero question. Yeah. That's what he came up with? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, in the chaos of 2021, every law-abiding citizen needs to know how to defend your family before, during, and after a self-defense incident. That's why you want to take Patriot Academy's constitutional defense course. It is hosted by Front Sight Firearms Training Institute out there in Nevada, just outside of Vegas, where they offer you a unique combination of both intellectual and physical training you won't find anywhere else during the day. They'll treat, they'll teach you physically 
how to operate safely and effectively a weapon. And then at night, they'll teach you how to use that weapon God gave you between the two frontal lobes there, your brain, how to use that safely and effectively too when it comes to defending your constitutional freedoms and liberties. That's why they're the premier firearms and self-defense training organization in the country. And if you want to attend their next event, which is coming up here this fall, which is just right around the corner, 90% off the training. Now you have to take care of your logistics like travel and accommodations, but 90% off the training. And yes, the whole family can go. If you want to register today at constitutioncoach.com. Again, you can register today at constitutioncoach.com. Can I flip your question around really quick? Yeah. Which bad guy do you want to see go good? I don't know enough about yeah. the bad guy lore. I mean, I didn't know anything about Thanos. Okay. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know who the bad guys are out there. I mean, does does uh, Scarlet Witch, is she bad now? She's gone back and forth all throughout her okay. history. She's gone back and forth. Uh, I think they're kind of setting her up to break bad. Uh, yes. I think that's pretty obvious that they're setting that one up. And, and the whole point of the TV show was to provide an origin rationale for a beloved character to suddenly now go from hero to heel. I think that's what they did. So they didn't just shock an audience with it, but gave you the the rationale for this kind of a transition. But I think it's obviously coming. I, th- I think, spoiler alert, I think we're going to see like 15 different versions of Kang. So probably one or two of those is going to be actually good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Who's going to see Shang-Chi this weekend? Are you guys, Are you going? I'll be in uh, on, about- at the college visit. Okay. What about you, Aaron? No, I'm... I'm uh, I'm a staying home. Hopefully, watch some football. Okay, I, I'm. I had it, it, I was not all that interested. It's a character I don't know anything about. I didn't read the comic or anything growing up, but the reviews on this thing are insanely high. So I'm kind of curious now. They really so, have to get this right. You would think, yeah. So I'm I'm probably going to find maybe some time Monday when we're off and there's no football during the day to go see it then. So you're off tomorrow. Yes. We will still be here tomorrow, though, with the Dace Group and more. Make sure you're here with us, too, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.